so you know something that's really interesting about us um, people in general is that oftentimes um, we don't need to be reminded of what we should do. We don't need to be told the things that we should do. In fact, most of us already know the things that we should do. Right. For, for the most part, especially like, you know, as you uh, move forward in years, yes, children need to learn what they should do. But most of our lives, it's it's this process of learning to implement the things that we know we should do. Right. So what we what we need to hear, what we need to be reminded of is not actually what we should do, but why we should do it. Right. So let's let's talk about speeding in a construction zone for a second. So. Uh, None of us need to be reminded that we shouldn't speed in a construction zone. Like, nobody needs to be told that. And you know what? Law enforcement knows this. Construction workers know this. And so, do you know what they don't do? They don't tell you, hey, you shouldn't speed in this construction zone. They don't do that. What they do is at the front of each construction zone, they put a big sign that says, hit a worker, pay a fine, go to jail. Right, so that you remember as you enter that construction zone, not that you shouldn't speed, but why you shouldn't speed, right? Because you don't want to pay a fine or go to jail or, like, honestly, you don't want to hit a worker, right? So that's, that would not be good. So you, so you see what they're doing. They're hitting on your motivation, right? They're, they're hitting on the reason why you should do the thing that you should do, right? I don't have to tell you that you should spend intentional time with your loved ones. I don't have to tell you that, right? I don't need to remind you of the importance of this reality. You know that you should, right? But uh, have you ever, like, been to a funeral or, uh, you know, a, a memorial service or something like that? And, and then your time, after you get done with that funeral, the time that you have with your family hits you a little bit differently like the time that you're spending with them. Like you appreciate it more deeply. In fact, you might even find yourself looking for more opportunities to connect with your family after going to that funeral or that memorial service. Why? Well, because you don't know how many days you're going to get with them. Right? You don't know how many more days you're going to be able to have left with that family member. So, so the funeral, what the funeral didn't do, it didn't tell you that you should spend time with your family. It showed you why you should spend time with your family, right? The same is true of our passage in 1 Peter. It doesn't tell us, I mean, it does tell us the things that we should do, but Peter is kind of aware that the people that he's writing to are already very aware of the things that they should do, and so he makes this big emphasis on the why, why they should do it. So, so for those of you who don't know, we, uh, we are uh, in the middle of this series. We recently changed the name of our church, right? And so we're talking about our identity together as a church. So we are in the second of three weeks where we ex- are exploring this new identity through the lens of our three core values. So our core values are, just as a reminder, bless, belong, and become. 
Right, so last week we talked about BLESS, and we talked about how BLESS is an acronym, and if you ever forget what the acronym is, uh, out here in our foyer on the bulletin board, there is a, uh, a th- uh, display that shows us exactly what that acronym is, that shows us how we can relate to our neighbors, and I'm thankful to Vicki Stuckert, where she's in here somewhere, she helped uh, design some of what's going on there, it looks beautiful, but, uh, but yes, that is there to remind us of the role that we have to play as we reach out to our neighbors, as we seek to welcome people that we might not immediately uh, typically associate with, right? So, so, okay, that's blessed. If you missed last week, I would invite you to go back because this is going to be a big part of how we operate. We're going to be using uh, the word bless on a regular basis, like, and, and frank lists and all of this stuff is just going to become a normal part of our vocabulary together. And so if you haven't been able to listen to it, I would really encourage you to go back on our website, renovateus.org, and uh, listen to last week's sermon where we talked about bless. So today we're going to consider the second of these three core values, what it means for us to belong. And so our passage in 1 Peter deals with the idea of what it looks like for us to belong together. And nothing that he says here is unexpected. Right? This is all stuff that we've probably talked about to some degree or another within the last five or six weeks because it's stuff that keeps coming up in Scripture often. Right? So, so if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard things like Peter's instruction before. And, and Peter's aware. Most people know what they should do. And I think Peter, as he expects that people have heard what uh, the, the instruction that he gives, as he expects that they've heard it before, he realizes that what they really need in this moment is the why. And so in verse 7, he says this. He says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore. Now, this message about the end of all things has two functions for the people that he is writing to. The first function that it has is urgency, and the second function that it has is comfort. Right, so as he writes to them, he is both creating a sense of urgency for them and at the same time comforting them. So let's talk about the, the sense of urgency that he's creating first. So when it says the end of all things, that word end is literally the word completion, right? Fulfillment, that something that was incomplete is now coming to finally be completed. And as we talk about completion, we might as well think of it as like the finishing of a story, right? Because we've been using the image of story We are stories that God is writing about Jesus making things new, right? We've been talking about that. Peter is saying, Jesus, he's finishing up the story very soon, right? The the story is going to be, the end of the story is being written. And so when he comes back, what kind of stories will our lives have told? Right? That's the implication that Peter's getting at. Like the end, the completion is coming. Jesus is going to be writing the final pages very soon. And so what kind of stories will our lives have told? And, and the point of this is to say to his, the people that he's writing to, like, we have tremendous opportunity. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Not next year. But we have tremendous opportunity right now to see Jesus bring renewal in and around us. Right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying things are finishing up, and Jesus could come, like any moment, he could come back. Don't waste a moment. Right? Don't let it pass you by. Why right now? 
because Jesus, he could, he could be back very soon, tomorrow. And, and he, when he comes back, we want him to be able to find eager and excited people who are, who are seeking to see his renewal come about. Or he could come back tomorrow. And he could find someone saying, you know, I kind of like things the way they are. And I, I'd like to keep them that way for a few more months or a little bit longer or a few more years. You know, I, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite ready to see the renewal that he wants to bring about, right? Like, I, I don't really want to pursue it intentionally right now. You know, I could wait. And Peter's saying, you don't know that. You don't know that you can wait. He could come back tomorrow. The end of all things is at hand. Jesus is finishing the story. Do not waste a moment. So, I want to particularly, if we, I don't know, we have junior high, young adults, uh, high school students, anybody uh, who would see themselves in a, in a younger state of mind. I, um, when I was younger, I remember myself thinking, you know what, this whole Jesus thing can wait till a later part in my life. Like, I love Jesus, right? Like, I, I appreciate the things that he's done. I'm grateful for what he's done for me. But you know, like, I'm going to grow up one day, and when I grow up, that's when I can really start pursuing Jesus. And, and Peter writes this, and it has particular application for those who are young, right? Those who are young in the faith, right? Because Right? He could come back tomorrow. He could, he could return. And the idea that, that is here is like the, the renewal that Jesus wants to bring is so significant that he wants to draw you into that no matter what like age or a place in life that you find yourself. Right? And, and so you might be very satisfied with this world, but this world is going to leave you kind of hanging dry. And what Jesus is trying to tell you what Peter's trying to tell you, especially if you're young, is don't waste a moment. Is Jesus going to come back and find people who are eager and excited to see his renewal? Okay, so the second thing. So that was, that was urgency. He's creating a sense of urgency. The second thing that he's doing is comforting them. Right, so the Christians that Peter is writing to, they've been going through significant turmoil. Many of them have had to relocate uh, from their towns and from their homes, from the places that they grew up, from the things they were familiar with. And they are in unstable living situations because of the kind of persecution that's happening in the territory where Peter is writing to. Right, so, so Peter calls them strangers and foreigners, and, and we think of that like Peter's reminding them that their home is with God, right? That, that as long as we're in this world, we're going to feel like foreigners, right? And there is that concept, but the, at the same time, Peter is writing to people who are literally foreigners in the place that they live because they have had to relocate as a result of persecution. And so when Peter says to them, these persecuted people who have been living chaotic lives for the past few months or even years, Peter says, the completion is at hand. And it is a beautiful reminder to them. It will not always be like this. A better day is coming. Because when things are difficult and chaotic, you know what it's really easy to do? It's really easy to lose your focus. It's really easy to forget what's important. And Peter's saying, hey, things, Jesus is going to make things right. It's going to happen very soon. 
So let's hone in on some fundamentals. Let's focus up and not waver from doing these things. Let's keep doing the things that we should be doing, especially when it's hard. Because soon enough, Jesus is going to come and he's going to finish the story. Okay, so from here, the main thing that he's going to do is he's going to talk to them about the kind of life that they ought to express with each other in relationship with each other, the kind of way that they ought to live with one another. He's already made the case to them. In chapter 2, he said, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people uh, for God's own possession, right? You are, he uses the imagery of stones. You are stones in the new temple that God is building. And he is taking these stones and piecing them together. This is where his presence is, the church, his people, right? And so, so they know because of what he said already, they know that they belong together because he's made that case. And here, he's telling them, Jesus is coming soon. So here's how you can stir up your belonging, right? Because because the thing that you do, you display God's presence. You are this place that carries God's presence. God's presence exists with you, in you, in the world. You belong together, and it's in your togetherness that the glory of God is displayed. Right, so Peter is writing to them now to tell them, here are ways that you can reinforce your belonging. Here are ways to reinforce your togetherness. So in verse 8, this is what Peter says. 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I have a question for you. Besides you, who gets hurt most by the hard things that are happening in your life. It's your family. Your family is most affected by the hard, hard things that happen in your life. Right, so, so if dad has a bad day at work, or mom has a hard day with kids, or a husband loses his job, right, the hard circumstances in our life can actually cause us to hurt the people that we're supposed to love. And Peter is looking at these people who have been living through just mounds of hard circumstances, right? Like hard circumstance on top of hard circumstance on top of hard, hard circumstance. And he recognizes the, the, the danger that they're facing as they kind of witness this increasing rejection of the societies around them. This increasing uh, of people who want to push them out of their towns and out of the places that they live. So, Peter is trying to strengthen their belonging. So let's talk about how we can strengthen our belonging. We have four ways, four ways that we're going to explore with Peter about how we can strengthen our belonging. The first, he says, keep loving one another earnestly. We're just going to say it like this. Lean into each other. Lean into each other. Peter expects that this group of imperfect people are, are, they are, like it's not a maybe, it's not a might, they are going to mess up. They are going to get things wrong as they interact with each other. They are going to misunderstand each other, right? And nobody is above this. Peter himself was not above this, right? Even, even after the Holy Spirit came and filled him, like we see interactions where Peter, he messes some things up. Right? And so he is acknowledging the reality that as we do life together, things will get difficult. We are going to get some things wrong. 
And you will like, you add to this the reality that you likely have in churches that he's writing to, uh, different people from different cultures all gathering together either in the same house or the same building as they worship, right? And that creates like different kinds of understandings about how we relate, different kinds of languages potentially even. And so, so you have all of this working together. And you know that the only thing that is going to give you the capacity to deal with the shortcomings of your family when there's all of this turmoil and all of this confusion and on top of that, you, you add to it the fact that people just don't naturally relate like you relate. The only thing that is going to give us the capacity as God's family to relate to each other like that. What is, well, it's the, only, it's the only thing that gave God himself the capacity to deal with our shortcomings, right? It's love. Love is the only thing that, ha- that gives us the ability to deal with the shortcomings of our brothers and sisters. Love is what gave God the ability to deal with our shortcomings. It's what he chose for our sake. And so, so I want to give you three examples of how we can lean into each other. These examples are not meant to be exhaustive, but they are inclined to help us think about how we can lean in. So three examples of how we can love each other. The first is to ask for their help or advice, right? Um, It is a significant uh, kind of recognition of value when you can go to another person that you have a relationship with, especially a brother or sister in Christ, and say, I have something that I need from you, right? It shows them that you see they have something to give you, right? And that matters deeply to a person when they see that they have something to give. Right, so I have received input and advice, and, and you know, it's not always fun to receive advice. I've got to be honest about that, but you know, brothers and sisters, if they have advice to give, humble yourself and listen to what they might have to say, right? Because that is a way that you can communicate value, and when you show somebody that they have something to give you in that way, that strengthens that relationship that's there. And it communicates to them that they actually are valuable. When you ask somebody for help, there's a way that they can come alongside you and serve you. The second piece, the second example I would give you is this, to to notice and verbalize the value that they add. I so appreciate John coming up here this morning and talking to us about Crossroads and not telling us his own story of how he's serving, but how he told us about Tommy and the things that Tommy has been doing. And you know how much value that gives when you can verbally affirm another brother or sister for the things that you see them doing, what you appreciate about them? That, that means so much to a person. It makes such a difference. It helps them. To go, like, to remember, oh, I should keep taking that step. That step has been beneficial for a lot of people. Many people appreciate that. That has been a good thing for our church, right? And so, notice and verbalize the value that they add. And then, finally, I would say this. Go out of your way to make time for them, right? If you can make time in your schedule, space in your home, whatever it might be, like, go out of your way to show them that they're valuable because they are valuable. So, so how do I lean in? How do I lean in? Those are examples of how we can lean in. But, but you might be asking, okay, but like, how do I uh, get the kinds of relationships with people where I might be able to lean in? Right? And so if you're here asking that question, I want to encourage you. We have at our church, we have small groups. 
We have Bible studies. Uh, we have various get-togethers at, at different kinds of times. We have wise guys with men and ladies do craft nights and you know, pizza nights and movie nights. Right? Like there are always opportunities to find to find a chance to start getting more connected to people. Right? So if you're looking for an opportunity to lean in, I would say come to a small group or a Bible study. Get connected to God's people because it is in those contexts, right? You're going to have a really hard time finding people to lean into if all you do is interact with church like one hour on Sunday morning. So find a place to get connected where you can develop the kind of relationships where you can lean in. So so one practical thing. Uh, A few, uh, gosh, months ago now, we took a survey about small groups and availability for small groups. And so we are kind of honing in on the possibility of launching another small group. And so there's this connect card here. Uh, we're, we're considering launching a Wednesday night small group. And so, uh, so if we launch a Wednesday night small group, and you would be interested in that, uh, John talked about how we can use these connect cards to say, hey, I'd, I'd be interested in serving in children's ministry. You might also, in this box down at the bottom, uh, just write the word small groups or Bible study or something like that, specifically the Wednesday night small group. If you're interested in a Wednesday night small group, write that down, turn this into that black box or leave it out on the welcome table. Somebody will uh, collect it, and then we'll contact you. We'll reach out to you. Uh, to get you a chance to get connected to that. So before I move on, you remember when uh, uh, Peter and Jesus were on the beach together? And Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? And then, and then Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me? And then Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me? Right? What do you think Peter wrote this? This, these, this phrase right here. What moment was in his mind as he wrote to the people, love covers over a multitude of sin. It was that moment when Jesus was reminding Peter of his love and Peter was experiencing in an abundant way Jesus' love for him. And it was that moment that enabled him to say, you know what, you have a lot of capacity for the shortcomings of your brothers and sisters if you actually love them. Okay, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The word hospitality is two Greek words put together. No grumbling, Gina. Uh, (laughs) The word hospitality is two Greek words put together. It literally means love of stranger. It's, It's the word love and the word stranger put right next to each other. Right? Peter is making an important point here. So remember their circumstances. They are Christians who have been displaced from their homes and the places they are familiar with. Uh, So what that means is that you have, again, these Christians from different kinds of cultures and places trying to work together in the same city. People who eat different food, worship with different music, potentially speak a different language. The makeup and lived reality of the church is rapidly changing every time a new Christian who has been displaced from their home shows up in their town and they need people to worship with. Right, so they have to try to figure out how to live with each other and love each other in the midst of this rapid change that's happening to their churches. Right, so here's the second piece of how we can strengthen our belonging. Number two, open up homes and tables to each other. Right, so there's a high likelihood 
that many of them struggled to find places to live when they arrived in their new town. They, found, they struggled to find opportunities for work. They struggled to find uh, regular access to income and food. And Peter says, when they show up, these Christians who are being displaced, you need to make sure that you all are taking care of each other. Right? So luckily... This is not a new concept for us, right? We, like, we spent all of 2022 emphasizing the importance of our tables. And tables continue to be a place where we need to build and nourish our belonging together, right? Invite someone over, cook for them, listen to them. Be aware of how Jesus is working in that moment and wanting to make his presence known, wanting to work in the lives of the people who are sitting there at that table. But you know what? Biblical hospitality, it does go deeper than simply eating together. Right? Hospitality is not just a willingness to have someone to your home. It is the ability to treat strangers the same as you would treat your family. That is like the, the two words that are used for hospitality. It is literally familial love for a stranger welcoming a stranger as if they are your family, right? So it is the willingness to help someone who is having trouble getting on their feet get back on their feet, right? It is the willingness to help someone who might not have a place to stay because of whatever circumstance in their life right now. Maybe you give them a place to stay. Right? It is the willingness to regularly make time for another person who needs people's time at this particular point in their life. Right? It is the willingness to, to provide tangible resources in the midst of any time that they are facing need. And to do these things for each other, even when your age and your language and your affinities and your cultural background don't line up and they make relating to each other kind of difficult. You do this regardless of those things not lining up. Why? Because Jesus made us a family, right? Like, we aren't just relating to each other like we're family. Like, we're literally a family. The same blood paid for us all. We are family. So, the encouragement to us is to treat each other as if that is really true, because it is. All right. Peter continues talking about their belonging. Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So for us to be able to worship together as a church and spend time together and offer small groups and Bible studies and, and opportunities to connect, for us to be able to extend, uh, take the witness that we have here in this body and extend it outward to our community, right, and things like crossroads to relate in compelling ways to our neighbors, to, to work together, to be a visible light in Bartlett and in Hanover Park, for us to be able to do any of that, all of it requires people who are willing to make themselves available for the kinds of things that Jesus is doing. Right, so go with me on this. In the New Testament, uh, the service that the church has, the, the things that the church is equipped for, the people of God are equipped for, they go in two directions. Right, so, so our service, it goes in one direction, inward towards each other first. 
Right, so if we're believers in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts. And these gifts are blessings from Jesus, right? Like Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to gift us so that he might gift through us, right? The gifts are given to us to go through us, right? That's the idea that's given to us here, right? So he puts us in relationship with each other to share these gifts, right? So, so if you don't know what gifts he has given you, then the thing that you need to do is to make yourself more available for him to use you so that you can discover the kinds of gifts that he's given you and be able to use them in a more clear and compelling and consistent way for the things that he's doing. Right, so, so yes, we were given these gifts to go inward towards each other. We were saved to be a part of God's new creation family. And you know what? Family serves and cares for each other. God saved you and gave you gifts so that you could use those gifts to give to others. And, and your new creation family needs what you have. So, so it's not only true that God has given you gifts uh, to, to like be given to us, but the reality is, is like we actually need. like We need you to give what you have. Right? We, to be successful uh, in any, any sense of the way that Jesus defined success, we need the things that everybody has to give in order to actually like faithfully exist as Jesus' church. So, so, all right, our service goes inward, but our service also, the other direction that our service goes is outward. Right? So you know what? Some people have gifts that are really good for strengthening the church, for encouraging the church, for building up the church. But you know what? Some people have gifts that are really good for helping the church expand its influence. Right, so that, that help us move outward, right? So, so some people have gifts that, are, that do both, right? So some, of, some people have ministries of evangelism, the ability to go out and strike up conversations with people, the ability, like, and as those people engage in those ministries, you know what they're doing? They're an extension of Jesus' body going into places where people don't know Jesus, and they're sharing and speaking about Jesus. They're witnessing to Jesus, and they, so they're serving us by extending the witness of the gospel into those places. Some people have gifts that, that are able to be used all these ways, and the reason I talk about that is... Um, God has given you unique gifts. If you are a believer in Jesus... You have the Holy Spirit, and guess what? The Holy Spirit is waiting to use the gifts that he has given you in order to reinforce what he is doing in the church. Right, so the encouragement to us is to keep using our gifts, if you haven't started using your gifts, to start using them. And to let your brothers and sisters to, to experience the gifts that Jesus has to give through you. Or to come alongside you as you extend your gifts outward as part of the witness of the church out into this community. Okay, so how can we strengthen our belonging? I would say it like this, number three. To be available to serve unmet needs. We talked about some unmet needs this morning. John came up and shared with us. We need people to, to help teach in children's ministry. Uh, we need people to help uh, back in the nursery, right? We need people who, like, we really kind of want to get on top of the Crossroads thing this year, right? Last year, we didn't start, like, recruiting for Crossroads until August. But right now, we, we kind of want to say, if you would just be interested in asking questions about Crossroads and understanding a little more, let us know now. Like, let's start working together now to, to prepare that ministry so that we could launch well. And you know what, y'all? We might be able to do a third school. 
Who knows? If enough people step up, we could do it. So um, that's all I'll say on that. So we can, do, we can do this. We can be available to serve unmet needs in multiple ways. We can use our time. We can use our skills. We can use our finances. So uh, I just want to celebrate. I've been asking a lot. I've been saying we can do a lot. I just want to celebrate something, though. Church, you have shown yourselves faithful to continue to step up to needs as they are presented. Right? We're four months into our year after at the beginning of the year we presented a financial need that uh, quite frankly I didn't know how we were going to get around it right and the way that you all responded to that you not only helped us meet our budget that we needed to meet for this year but exceed it and actually the elders are now in planning stages for like it seems like God is blessing us above what we had planned on or expected or needed and so we're now beginning to explore like how does God want to expand the, the things that are happening at this church? How does God want us to better resource the kind of ministry that he's doing so we can be able to more effectively serve and disciple and extend witness into our community? So thank you for that, church. I want to celebrate you. Uh, verse 11. We do, so that's three things that we've done. And we do all of these things, verse 11, in order that, in everything. God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. So I've said it once. I'll probably say it like 500 more times before the year is out, so just buckle in for that. Um, we are stories God is writing about Jesus making things new. Every time we participate in the strengthening of Jesus' new creation family, every time we open up a table, Every, time, every moment that we spend in service to one another, every time we make ourselves available to what God is doing, every time we lean into our brothers and sisters, we allow another piece of the story that Jesus is writing to be told. All right, so how can we strengthen our belonging? Number four, remember the why. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Right, there are new creation realities that Jesus, that he is desiring to reveal right now. Like, not tomorrow, and not next week, and not next month, but right now. And the question that each of us has to answer is, will Jesus come back and find us waiting until tomorrow to take a step into the things that he wants to do? Or will he find us tenacious to do everything in our power to live out new creation realities in the here and now? Will he find a church where people truly love each other? Will he find us loving well and forgiving each other? Will he find us going out of our way to serve each other? Will he find us sharing homes and sharing tables and sharing life together with each other? Church, we have the opportunity to put the glory and the wonder of the things that Jesus is doing on display in how we love each other. So the encouragement to us this morning is that we would strive to find ways to belong to one another. So what? Some practical, some less. So uh, number one, if you want an opportunity to serve, we've now talked about it three times this morning, fill out a Connect card. Right? If you're like trying to figure out, how do I get connected somewhere? What do I do? Just fill this out. Somebody will talk to you. If you're not exactly sure what to do, that's okay. We can have a counseling session, work through it. Right? But fill out a Connect card. Say you're interested in serving, and we will, like, we'll find an opportunity. We'll find something that fits. Okay, uh, so yeah, nursery, Sunday school, crossroads, there are tons of opportunities. We are never short for opportunities 
to bless people with ministry and with the work of the gospel. Uh, number two. This is very important to me. Hear me. Prayer is another way we belong together. Why do I say that? We've had, um, we changed our schedule a little bit. We used to have prayer meetings on Saturday mornings. We used to do breakfast with it. And I just think the timing and people's schedules and that kind of stuff, it didn't work out. So we've had um, now two prayer meetings at the end of the month on Wednesday nights. Uh, significant number of people. Significant in comparison to the number of people that used to show up, right? But the, a lot of people, like a handful, let's say 12, consistently, the last two times we've done this. I don't care about the number, though. I want to talk, you, talk to you about the blessing and the kind of relationship that is built and experienced and shared as we pray together, right? Like, as I hear other people have, like, I, I, I might recognize a need in my own life and I might voice that in prayer and then almost immediately somebody else will speak up and they'll start praying for me and they'll start lifting that need up and then we're looking at the needs of our brothers and sisters around us in this church and we're saying, God, there's a place for you to, that we need you to intervene and we need you to move and we're asking you to do that and then we're like honestly like just sitting there worshiping together as we speak and we pray, like we're, we're recognizing that God is doing something and the Holy Spirit is working among us and after I finished praying with those people man like I felt we've like we've done battle together we've like spent uh, just really helpful uh, time and so I say all of that to say goodness like you're missing something if you're not coming out to the prayer meeting on Wednesday night and if you can it's not in your schedule I get it but there is there is something generous that God is seeking to share in our belonging together as we pray together and so I just invite you, if the next time that we have one of those, I think we're going to uh, do one at the end of May. So come out, uh, pray with us. Number three. Take some kind of next step. Right, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've said 50 different things that you could do this morning. Ways that you could connect or try to build relationship or serve, right? I've said a number of different things. I'm, I'm telling you, like, you don't have to do it all. It would be overwhelming for you to do it all. Just pick a next step. Take some kind of a next step. I have no expectation that you're going to suddenly be finding every single possible way to belong here. But it would be tremendously disappointing for me to have stood up here for this long and talked for this long and to, to not have you take some kind of next step. So decide, what is your next step? Maybe you have already belonged here for a long time, right? Like, you've been very involved. You've been finding your opportunities. Maybe your next step is just a relational next step with another person. Maybe you're opening up a table, inviting somebody over to your house, right? Having dinner together. Maybe, like maybe as I speak about what it means to belong together, the Lord is laying a particular person on your heart that maybe you've not done a great job of loving and you need to lean into that relationship a little bit better, right? But we, I promise you, we've all got some kind of next step as we talk about this, because time is short, right? The end of all things is at hand. Jesus is coming back, and there is tremendous opportunity to see more of what Jesus wants to come about in this church. Church, would you pray with me?
Father, I thank you for the gift of these people who have loved me and my family so well, created opportunity for us to lean in and be invested in, be cared for, receive input and perspective from other people. Lord, to grow in this place, to in, in ministry and in, in just learning how to, to thrive and exist uh, as new parents. Lord, this is, it's been a gift to, to join with this body. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for the, the ways that you have inspired people to take next steps and uh, to, to recognize w- the opportunity to step into more ministry, more belonging together. So Holy Spirit, if I could ask for a blessing, the blessing is that you would, um, as we look to Jesus, each as individuals, each of us looking to Jesus, placing our attention on Jesus, that you would uh, strengthen the bond of unity that we have together. Father, that you would protect us from the attacks of the evil one who is seeking to divide churches. Lord, that you would... Um, encourage those who are downtrodden. Lord, that you, even as, as Don and Debbie have not been able to be with us now for months because of sickness and caring for Don's mom and grief in the midst of that, would you just meet them where they're, they're at right now? Father, bless them with just an awareness of our love for them, our desire to see them return to us, but Lord, our, our desire that you would just minister your presence to them. Lord, thank you for the, the gift it is to have a family that is united in your blood. Bless us with the unity that comes from the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to the communion table, it is the place where we separate or we celebrate the, the very thing that has drawn us together in faith. And Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed, that, that blood is the thing that purchased us into this new family. And so we are, we are here this morning, we're here celebrating the fact that Jesus has joined us together in faith. That's what I want us to do. I want this, uh, as we come to the table today, this to be an expression of the fact that we all have been purchased and we all now belong to each other because we belong to Jesus. So he endured torment for our sakes. He took our sin on himself, endured punishment in our place, so that we could not only have the joy of a renewed relationship with him, but that we could be a, a part of a collective of people who all know the joy of being restored to relationship with their creator. So the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul tells us as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup that we are doing this act of proclaiming to one another our life in Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. We're reminding each other of the thing that binds us together. And so um, 
If you are new with us, if you're a Christian here this morning, we would invite you to celebrate communion with us. Uh, The way that we do that is in a moment we'll have a a chance to reflect, to be silent. And then as you are led, uh, you can come to the table, take a piece of bread, take a cup of juice, return to your seat. And once we've all had a chance to come and take some bread and some juice, we will eat and drink together. So church right now, I would just invite you to, to reflect silently but gratefully on the gift he has given us of family in Jesus. Church, Jesus has invited us to his table, so to celebrate what he has done for us, let us eat and drink together. And 
I invite you to stand with us as we celebrate and worship together.
Redemption of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested, and my life began. When death was arrested, and my life began. That's when death was arrested, and my life Praise the Lord. God bless. Thank you, Jesus, for Rev Renovation Church. Thank you, Lord, for renovating each of us little by little. Thank you for the love that abounds here through Jesus Christ. And now receive the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all Should have brought the bigger print. <laughs> Turn on a few more lights. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that your joy may overflow with hope. power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, 13, if you want to read it yourself. <laughs> God bless you all. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us.